If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 122 of the podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and support. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. And I want to take a quick moment here just to say thank you to all of you who have supported the show over the years. Your contributions have helped us build to this point, 122 episodes in. And if you're new to the show and you love the info and resource you're getting here, uh, consider becoming a supporter of the show. Now, I, I love having these conversations, and I think there is an important dialogue evolving from them. But it does cost time and money uh, to bring them to you. And if you were to meet me in person, would you buy me a drink or maybe a cup of coffee just to say thanks? Well, you can kind of do that uh, right now by going over to patreon.com forward slash highway to health to help us keep building resource. And you can do it for just $5 a month. It's easy to donate and you can cancel anytime if your financial situation changes. And the community here thanks you. So this conversation with Rick Olderman today is an important one for anyone struggling with pain associated with a orthopedic issue, like a back pain, joint pain, or nerve pain. Uh, Rick is a physical therapist, trainer, Pilates instructor, and hanasomatics practitioner. He's written a series of books and has a program for anyone looking to overcome any kind of pain syndrome. He also has an accredited CEU course uh, for health professionals interested in his methodology. Rick and I have a lot in common in our work, and like me, he found his way to therapy because of his own struggles with back pain. I find him very down-to-earth and humble in his approach, and I think he's got a lot of insight to share. If you want to watch us have this conversation, uh, Rick takes out some models at a couple of different points here. Check us out on Highwood Health Podcast channel on YouTube. You can also find links in the show notes on the app that you're listening on right now, as well as links to all of Rick's uh, information, his website, books, and programs. Please enjoy my conversation with Rick Olderman. What was your entry into this? You started as a physical therapist, kind of more orthopedic type work or? Yeah. So, uh, you know, well, I, I had my own back pain, uh, prior to going to PT school. Me too. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) Same story. And yeah. And, and, you know, I, I thought, oh, I'm going to learn the insider secrets if I go to PT school. So uh, that never came. And as you know, my first job as a PT outside of PT school, I mean, I, I was a miserable failure. Anyone who, had pain of more than three or four months or something, you know, venturing into that chronic range, yep. it was hit or miss whether I could help them. Yep. And 
I felt awful. I, I actually sunk into a deep depression. I was thinking about leaving physical therapy. Yep. Uh, and then I ended up moving to Denver and I got a job at a, uh, high end, uh, health club in downtown Denver. And instantly my schedule filled with people with pain. Hmm. And these are people in their thirties, forties, fifties, well to do access to all medical practitioners. They could pay for anything. No one could solve their pain. I'm just like, I was Holy in the uh, same thing for me. me. I, I started in Minneapolis, got a lot of that stuff right away. But then I moved to New York. I, I was in Brooklyn and I, I did some work in Manhattan as well. But same thing. I, I, I started realizing that a lot of people were just not having success with, you know, yeah. with, with physical therapy a lot of times or with, you know, surgery, you know, if that if they felt like that was the route. And obviously there are times when like it's critical, like, you know, there's, you know, quality of life issues that come up for people where surgery is definitely a a thing, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes they they don't try other things first. Exactly. And, uh, well, and frankly, a lot of them do. I mean, you know, I've owned my own clinic here in Denver for, you know, the past, uh, 10 years or, you know, roughly. And, and, you know, I, the people who came to see me were the people who tried everything, you know, and then their doctor, you know, had heard about me or our clinic or whatever. And so that, you know, and you come in and, and you have these people who are arms crossed. You're not going to help me. My doctor told me to come here. Right, right, right. And and we've got to turn this ship around, right? And so, but it was a long, long, arduous road to get to that point where I felt confident that I could help people. Yep. Well, so what was your what was your back issue? Did you ever, you know, f- figure out what what was going on and what what and if if you can maybe share what you've oh, done sure. to sort of keep it well because we don't. Oftentimes when we have these things, there's something going on that's either like we have a precursor for, we've had an injury maybe back in our sports playing, you know, days or something. Mm-hmm. And then we need to kind of learn ways to manage it. So is there anything you can kind of share about what your story is? Yeah, well, well, first of all, you know, I think it's unreasonable to expect that anyone be completely pain free 100 percent of the time. <laughs> right. Right. So while my back pain is 99 percent in all activities I do. I still have back pain that I think about, you know, because yep. I know if I do something wrong, you know, that back pain will come back. So, yep. uh, you know, but most of the day I, I feel no back pain at all. So there wasn't uh, at that time, I, you know, I didn't go get an X-ray. I didn't get MRIs or anything like that. I just went to a physical therapist. Initially, he did a couple of things to my back and it felt great, but then it came back. Yeah. But in, intuitively, I, I've always felt that my pain was my fault. I'm doing something mm-hmm. that's causing my pain. Yeah. Right. And so that's what guided me and drove me. And and frankly, that's the same thing with my, my, all my clients, all of these varieties of types of pain that I'm seeing that people can't seem to resolve. It has it, to me, my bias in my thinking is that it must have something to do with how they're using their bodies. I've got to yeah. figure this out. Yeah. And so, uh, and that's ended up being the case with me too. And so, uh, one of the first places I looked was, uh, one of my classmates in PT school, uh, went on and on about Dr. Shirley Saruman. And, uh, you know, she has this textbook called diagnosis and treatment of movement impairment syndromes, mm-hmm. just kind of rolls off the tongue. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. so, uh, she was a professor at Washington university in St. Louis and had taught there for decades I took her courses and boom, this was 
Exactly. She had not only the movement aspect of things, but the biomechanical aspect of what's going on too with the movement. And so I took her courses and, you know, as lo and behold, my, my patients started getting better and better. But then as you know, Jeremy, as as you get better, the next tier of patients comes knocking on your door. And so that next tier of patients came and suddenly this information was helping, but not all the way. And so that's when I looked into Thomas Meyer's work with anatomy trains yep, yep. and with his um, uh, fascia, yep. uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with them. And fascia is connective tissue in the body. And he identified superhighways of fascia that connect our head to our toe. Yep, exactly. And, and, and all different aspects, like the back of our body, the front of our body, spiral lines, all sorts of things. Well, he, his fascial lines identified almost perfectly with Dr. Shirley Saruman's three primary patterns that contribute to almost all back pain yeah i'm just like well this can't be a coincidence right, she never right. talked about fascia yeah. he never talked about biomechanics and movement it's just like i've got to put this together so that helped me see things that were further away from the pain how those could influence the pain from a fascial perspective yeah and then you know so people started getting better but then that next tier came in and it, it was as if there was a battery that was supercharging these people's bodies yeah. to be locked in these painful movement patterns. Yeah. It's like, where is this coming from? And that's when I discovered Thomas Hanna's work with Hanna Somatics. Yeah, you know, and I don't know, I don't know much about that. So if you, could, if you could share, that would be great. Yeah. Well, you're not the only one. I didn't know anything about it either. <laughs> well, I, 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 <laughs> did, I did a quick little bit of research and, you know, just yeah. saw he was kind of starting this stuff around the 70s, which was kind of when, you know, Dr. John Upledger started all this work with, you know, craniosacral therapy and tying it to fascia and realizing, you know, there's a bigger global sort of connection with everything going on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, purportedly, uh, Thomas Hanna was the person who brought Moshe Feldenkrais to the United States Okay. and studied under him. And uh, anyway, uh, after, and, and I was very reticent to even study Thomas Hanna's work because like you said, there's nothing online about it there's no research about it there's nothing right. and in medicine everything has to be evidence-based right so i'm just like well I, but i had a phone call from a, a, a person who had read my back pain book agreed with everything but she just couldn't solve her back pain it was like it was locked in this position she couldn't undo it even yeah. with all the exercises i had given her she went to a, a, a hannah somatic practitioner and in one session she was 75 percent better and she had called me crying she was actually talked about suicide yeah. because she was in such pain. And I talked with her for an hour on the phone. I, I just couldn't help her. She called back a month later. She, she said, I'm 100% better. I said, how did you do it? She said, Thomas Hanna's work, Hanna Somatic. So I took the leap and I, I took the, the course, which is a, a very long, arduous, you know, three years. Every six months you go for 10 days kind of thing. And, uh, he identified this identical three patterns of dysfunction that were caught that Dr. Sarman had identified and that were found in in Thomas Meyer's work. So here are three different researchers coming from three different points of view, biomechanics and movement, fascial planes, and then neurological energizing of the body in certain patterns. And I'm just like, I put it, I'm just like, this is it. So I put it all together, but all, none of the three of them were really going deeply into what we were doing that was causing these patterns of dysfunction. Yeah. And so that's what I've been trying to figure out these past 20 years. And once I put all this together, wow, it was a big game changer. So, so t- can, can you take me through like what a, what a uh, Hannah uh, somatics, um, 
is, is it a hands-on type of work, I, I assume? And, and yes. what, 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 what it looks like in, in terms of treatment? Sure. Uh, it, you can do hands-on and you can do just, uh, like I can guide someone through an Hannah Semantics gotcha. movement lesson. Okay. Okay. And they can control their own body. So I don't have to do it. So imagine, uh, you're pretty familiar with Thomas Meyer's work, I'm, yep. I'm guessing, yep. right? Okay, so imagine um, your Thomas Meyer's backline. Okay, and which is, folks, if you're not familiar with this, I've got a little skeleton here. All the muscles and fascia that start at the top of the head, all in along the back, down to the bottom of the foot, and yep. even the bottom of the foot. Yep. It comprises the back line of fascia that Thomas Myers identifies. Yep. Okay, and the reason that he's calling this, uh, putting all this together, is because this can be dissected from the body as one contiguous piece of tissue, even though it includes fascia and muscle and tendons and ligament, all of that is connected via fascia. So it all works together as one unit in many instances. Yeah. All right. So what Thomas Hanna uh, did is uh, his focus is primarily a contract and slow release with a lengthening of the muscle okay. to reset the muscle spindle fiber uh, reflex pattern that all these muscles are caught in. Okay. But he, he does it for the entire fascial line, not just here in the back or not just here at the neck. It's the whole thing. So it's a so systematic movement kind of contract and relax very type of work? Very, very, very much like that, yeah. And so uh, anyway, that ended up being the game changer that my patients needed. They needed mm. to be guided into how to release this tension in this whole pattern of dysfunction yeah. neurologically. And then uh, there are, of course, biomechanics that are also feeding that, that pattern that Dr. Saruman had identified. Yeah. And so this is how I've combined all three. And then, of course, how we're using our body is the thing that's locking and activating this whole line of fascia in the first place. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's kind of in a nutshell. And is that something that you kind of have learned to, to do for yourself with your back pain then? Is that, is that a, like a, in terms of like a, because I know, I know a lot of what you're sort of working on with everything that you're developing with books and, and video and audio and stuff seems to be kind of self-care or self-treatment based. Is, so is that something that, that can be taught and then the, the person absolutely. you're working with can start to use it? Yeah, absolutely. In, my, um, in the home programs that I've created, I have a section of all just somatic movement lessons. There's four hours and there's eight different lessons okay. that take people through releasing these lines of fascia through their body. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And some of them get, get a little weird, but uh, I, I mean, it's they my, work. My, my work because, <laughs> because I've kind of gone, my referrals now come from, you know, both mental health therapists, you know, some mm -hmm. diff different kinds of talk therapy um, and then also a lot of orthopedic stuff. I get, I do, do work with pediatrics, so I'm kind of getting it from there. And sometimes there's an, there's an orthopedic component, but I also do a lot of work in coordination with like, uh, dentists and, and, uh, you know, just, you know, it can, it can be anything around that area because as, as I see in your work, you're also dealing with tri trigeminal nerve issues. So yes. with, when it, when it comes to craniosacral therapy, it's, uh, most of my listeners have, have know about this, but basically it's a very low force osteopathic type of work. And really it's a fascial work. I mean, people think because it's so gentle that it kind of falls into the energy work realm, 
which, mm. you know, I mean, we're always working with energy on some level, right? The body is an energy sure. thing. But, yeah. you know, what, I, what I'm really looking for is kind of an easy way in sometimes, especially with someone who's been in a chronic situation for a long time. And, and you know, through the pandemic, I've even worked with people with, with who have lost taste and smell. And surprisingly, just with craniosacral therapy, have, have you know, gotten that back online, which is, you know, you, you never know with these things. I'll try, I'll try anything that I, you know, with, within my skill set, but you just never know what's going to happen sometimes. So. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. With trigeminal neuralgia, I didn't realize that I could have helped someone like that. Right. Um, you know, until I just like you, sometimes you just have to try it, yep. you know, and that's when I, when I worked, then that's when I kind of di- worked back to figure out, Hey, how did this work? You right. Know? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is, do you have a, do you have a private practice now? That you're yeah. Still doing? So I, I owned a sports and orthopedic clinic for about 10 years and I sold that in April. And, uh, you know, I financially, frankly, I just couldn't make it work anymore. You know, to have a storefront. Yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't make it work anymore because our, our insurance contracts were the same uh, they were the identical payouts that we were getting 15 years ago. Right, I know. And the insurance companies wouldn't negotiate with me, yeah. you know, to raise it. And costs go up, and I just couldn't. The the answer to the to that problem should have been reduce my treatment times. Right. But I didn't want to reduce I my know. treatment times, know. you know. So that's that's when I decided, you know what? I think I'm going to shift my focus to this online work and make the world my clinic instead of just this one little place. Yeah, that's good. And so that's, that's where I'm, I'm going now. Yeah. I mean, I, I had started a, a, a place with a couple of partners in Brooklyn, New York called everyday athlete. And we, we basically kind of dealt with all sorts of things. I mean, we kind of thought about everything we do in our lives is on some level has an athletic component to it, whether it's like getting mm-hmm. your kids in and out of the car or whatever it is. Yeah. And so we, and, but we ended up doing a lot of sports specific training and a lot of body work related to that. And, but you know the the storefront aspect of it was was really what kind of like we we managed until 2008 of course everything <laughs> the world changed and yes. at that point a couple of years later i also moved back to minneapolis and it, at that point i had people who were interested in having me you know become business partners with them and stuff and i just i just didn't see the way that the model was going to work that way and i've been kind of just doing private practice cash cash you know out of pocket for mm-hmm. a lot of things and i do some pro bono work as well just to kind of like balance it out but that's really the only way that I think, you know, people like us can actually make it or start, you know, start creating programs and, and bring it to the world. And, and, and that's kind of, for me, the podcast has been that sort of showcasing people like you and people who are actually, you know, delivering the resource in some way. Yeah. So I, I didn't realize that this is what I've been working on. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when I would, like I said, when I took Dr. Saruman's courses, I made friends with a PT in one of those courses and we happened to end on the same course at the same month and year. And so, you know, I went up to him and I said, Hey, how you doing? He said, great. And I said, how's this information working for you? He says, eh, I'm just like, what are you talking about? This has completely transformed the chronic pain aspect of my practice. I can't believe it. He says, yeah, but I'm a manual therapist. So, you know, maybe I'll use this for a home program or something like that. And that's when I realized that, uh, our belief systems are filtering out information that could be helping our patients. Yeah. And that's when I decided to write my books 10 or 12 years ago is, is that I needed to do an end around around people who thought 
who didn't think that movement mattered, yeah, right, yeah. in treating, or they just wanted to stick to the, the move, types of movement that we were, we were taught in PT school. And I, th- I actually think it's the most important part. I mean, it's the thing I try to, you know, oh, if, I, yeah. if I get somebody and I'm doing manual, you know, therapy with them to start, my goal is always like getting them to do more and more movement, you know, sometimes, you know, core stabilization, shoulder stabilization type of work to the, to the point where they're just not experiencing the same level of pain where they can move with more ease and then starting to work on some of the mobility challenges and then just start building again from, from there. And it, it's amazing. I mean, I, I work with people sometimes, you know, in their late 70s who go through these major transformations that they thought were all age-related things. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we are designed to be movement beings. Yeah. Uh, and movement connects to our brain, and our brain connects to movement. And gosh, you know, if you're missing out on this, you're missing a big thing. So anyway, that's what that's why I wrote my books ten years ago. And then, you know, I, I purchased this clinic. I worked in this, and I streamlined my version of what I was writing about in my books. And I realized that these things just weren't happening happening randomly in people. They're happening in patterns. And uh, so once I realized that, oh, like, for instance, you might have back pain, but someone else might have sciatic pain and another person might have SI joint pain or hip pain. Oh, but it's all coming from the same pattern of dysfunction. Right. So that made treating pain a lot easier and yeah. faster yeah. because once you recognize the pattern, it's, it's simple to solve. And that's what my home programs are about is fixing these patterns of dysfunction that are causing almost all of our chronic pain. So, so you, you decided to break this down, I noticed, in, into different pieces. So you, mm-hmm. have, you have one that's kind of on the back, uh, sh- shoulder and, and elbow um, stuff, headaches and, and neck, and then the, the foot and ankle. So c- can, you, can you maybe walk us through just briefly what, kind of, what, what kinds of things you, you put into each of these programs? Yeah, so uh, you're, it sounds like you're referring to the books. The, book, the, the books, yeah. Program. yeah. Okay, and, and that, that, right. that's, that's different than the, than the other program, sorry. Yeah. So, so the books, uh, so initially I had it all in one book and (laughs) I connected everything. Right. Right. And so, uh, and I passed it around to a few people and they're just like, uh, uh, this is way I can't, there's no way I'm going to read all of this stuff. So they said, you know, what you need to do is break this up. And so that's when I realized, oh, okay, I'll break it up into how you just described. So, uh, what the way it works is, but in the clinic, basically I've divided the body into two, into two, um, uh, exams. One is the back and lower body exam. And one is the pelvis and upper body exam. Okay. And so that's really simplified how I look at most things. Of course we can connect foot to head, but most people don't need to connect the foot to the head. Most people can, if we start the pelvis, we're good enough there. If we need to connect, then we can. Yeah. And I can describe how that, that is connected. But anyway, that's functionally, that's how, how it works in my clinic. But in my books, I had to break it down even more because someone who has uh, you know, back pain wouldn't buy my back pain book because they have hip pain. Oh, well, I have hip pain, so this doesn't apply to me. Or right. I have knee pain, so this doesn't apply to me. Even though most back pain is caused by some problem in the lower body system. Right. I had to create these different books to appeal to what people were searching for, even though there's a lot of and there's got to be a lot of over yeah overlap in the books. Overlap, you have to yes, kind of be exactly. talking about all these things. 
Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I've broken the books up into how they're broken up. But you'll find there's a lot of crossover with that information. Yeah. So, so when when you were when when you were working, you know, doing doing your more hands-on work or or you know, training people, is did, did you have kind of an? I'm always curious about what your assessment, you know, how, what how you do evaluation. Um, yeah. whether it's some combination of watching movement happen, do you do hands-on with them and try to get a certain amount of that? Because for, for, for me, I actually, I, I like to do a little bit of both. I, I oftentimes will actually get people on the table with clothes on and do some very light manual traction work. And just because of the craniosacral experience, you know, my in my work, I've been doing it for so long that I can basically, you know, do a little work underneath the their heels if they're lying on their back and underneath their head and, and, and you know head and neck area, and I can get a pretty strong sense of what their pattern is, and then you know f- from there I might make different assessments. You know, does this feel like it's kind of coming more from their lower extremity? Is the pelvis in rotation? Is there you know what, what's happening at the at the occiput? <laughs> you know, j- just just different pieces where I'm trying to kind of figure out where do I want to start. You know, working and a lot of times I I, I will st- I almost always start kind of around the sacrum and around the around the, the spinal base just because I want to kind of see how how easily that you know some mobility can happen around those SI joints or how 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 well the set the pelvis can kind of settle you know because as you know because we are set, spending so much time in seated positions those hip flexor muscles tend to get kind of adaptively shortened and they kind of pull down on the on the front of the lower spine, which kind of sends us into this whole, you know, whole body shortening that pulls the head and neck forward and all those things. So I, I, I like to kind of start around that area for me, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not always going to start. <laughs> it really depends on what they're, what they're experiencing. But even if, even if they're coming to me for headaches or, you know, neck issues, I like to start lower down in the system. I just find a lot of times freeing that stuff up will actually start to elongate things even towards the top of the system. Mm-hmm. So I think the question is, how do I go about my exam? So, so how do you, so, sorry. <laughs> how, yeah, how do you, where, where, what's, where, what's your assessment, like, where, 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 you know, sure. in terms of hands-on and, and, and watching movement happen? Yeah, well, there's a little bit of everything, right? Because it all matters. And so the first, I mean, let's talk, let's, let's folk narrow it down to a back and lower body assessment okay. first. So, uh, you know, right off the bat, I'm watching them walk to my table, and that gives me a, a heck of a lot of information. Yeah. Uh, and then we go through their history, and I get a sense of their psychological approach to their pain. And so that has a lot, and that um, that um, helps guide me into how I'm going to be working with this person. Yeah. And then uh, we start our, our biomechanical exam. And so, of course, I have them stand in front of me and I, you know, measure the pelvis and, uh, you know, I just go through, a, a, you know, I, I measure for uh, pelvis and ribcage asymmetry. And then I go into uh, measuring, you know, you know, hip flexors, things like that, femoral antiversion, retroversion. I look for anterior femoral glide syndrome. I look at, you know calf soleus tightness, what they're, yep. whether they have, you know, are their feet pointed forward when they're standing? Yep. Do they have flat feet? Do they have high arches? All sorts of things. So based on what I've seen walking, uh, and then I ask him to walk, of course, again. Um, and what I've heard them saying, I mean, the, the exam is pretty much the same for, for everyone. 
I may do a little bit of one or two things here and there that are a little different because I have a nagging suspicion of something. Something's not quite adding up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, through that exam, I mean, I'm, I'm not only testing the biomechanics and movement of things, but as you know, I'm, I'm testing the muscle tension right. and yep. uh, the neural tension that they've got, too. Um, so, yeah, and there are lots of easy little clues that I use to, to, to drill in on that stuff. So then I put it all into a picture, and this is the reason why I have my little skeleton is because, you know, then I take my skeleton out and I explain to them everything that I see going wrong and yeah. why it's happening to them. Yeah. And this is really when the beauty, I feel, happens. Because as they watch me explain it, you see the light bulb go off in their minds like, that's why this is happening. I said, yeah. And they said, oh, that's why that old injury here is probably creating this. I said, that's exactly probably what's going on. So we're going to have to fix that old injury because it's causing this problem now. And so in a nutshell, that's kind of how I do it. When, when you say measuring, are you, are you doing actual like – Using using a measuring tool, or are you just talking about kind of with your with your hands and the way that you kind of feel tension? What's what what what, what do you mean by? Are measuring? you talking about measuring tension? Yeah, yeah. Like when you're saying okay. you're measuring, you know the you know the legs or the you know pelvis to rib cage base or something. Are you actually using oh. some a tool to to measure? Oh well, no. I mean, you're you, uh, you know there's there's two ways. To, there's more than two ways, but the easiest way and fastest way, first of all. I like to see what they're doing functionally. Yeah. So I measure the pelvis as they're standing there. You know, they've just done a little bit of walking. Yeah. So they haven't done anything to change how they're using their body yet. Uh, and this is the other thing is during my exam, I don't tell the patient anything yeah, I don't until either. the very end <laughs> because I don't want them to change anything about what they're doing. Yeah. But anyway, to, for, to answer your question, to measure the pelvis, I just put my hands on top of the iliac right. crest and see that one yeah. is higher. Yeah. Same thing with the rib cage. But uh, what, what people will often find is that that changes when people are lying down. Right. And so uh, that tells me it's a, uh, a weight-bearing type of, type of issue. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, you know, I'll measure. I can measure specifically with the degree of femoral antiversion and retroversion. I can look at it grossly. You know, um, it's, it's, the, there, are, there are certain components that I, I must get a, a direct measurement with, but there are, are many that I can eyeball and see that are, that yeah, are happening. Yeah. 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 Cause when I was, when I was having my, my back issues in my twenties, I actually had a very rare thing done because I had a friend who was a chiropractor. She brought me to this, this place that she knew that could do a full body x-ray and this doesn't happen very often, but I still have these x-rays, which is kind of an amazing thing to have, oh, yeah. you know, now, go, you know, I'm, I'm 52. So I've I've had to take it for different appointments over the years, and and, and every doctor that I've shown it to is just like, oh, this is <laughs> this is something, and 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 you know I've had different people actually do measurements on there, and the interesting thing is, I've gotten different measurements from different doctors, yes, with the same physical piece of you know, so yes. it, it it just goes to show how like it's you know when when we're trying to figure out what this balance is because you know for me I have one really flat foot one side that doesn't have a great arch, but it's got an arch. And so, mm -hmm. the, you know, what that has done to me functionally, the way everything is sort of, and that it's a, it's a birth defect and I've had it since I was a kid. So, and I, you know, I started having to wear orthotics and they tried figuring out things to do with it back in my teen years, but we weren't quite at that point with, uh, <laughs> with orthotics or with how we were sort of, you know, dealing with these kinds of things at that point, no manual therapy or anything else going on. But that, but that information, you know, 
to, to be able to have that long term could be could be of a benefit. But I, for what you're saying is like seeing somebody standing and seeing how their body sort of how gravity you know works on their body, and then seeing it on a table and, and seeing what happens. Th- those those two assessment tools are pretty huge in terms of what we can get from that kind of information, and then deliver it back to them at at, at the end and start coming up with some kind of a protocol. Yeah, and this is the beauty about uh, what I what I've developed in terms of my assessment approach is that. I, I've identified, I'll identify pretty much everything that is contributing to their pain. Yeah. And I've kind of created a prioritization of what that is, but I'm willing to be wrong on that prioritization. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but interestingly about your full body x-ray, I, I have a new book that's coming out uh, early next year too. And uh, in it, I have a story about a, a mother who brought in a, uh, not a full body, but up to the rib cage x-ray of mm-hmm. her daughter to prove that she had a leg length discrepancy and yeah. she absolutely did not have a leg length right. discrepancy. We corrected her there and which immediately improved this little girl's balance and proprioception. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think leg length discrepancy is one of the biggest myths in, in medicine. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think there's a standardized, I wish, I mean, I've standardized my way of measuring leg length, but it doesn't appear to be the same with everyone. And I think it should be, because I think there's a lot of people thinking that they have a leg length discrepancy out there. That I don't. was told I had an inch and a half difference, you know, mm-hmm. and, and my, my calcaneus, my heel bone is, is, is a little rotated. And so that does drop things down a little further. So there's something there, there. And, but when you look at it on an X-ray and try to measure it, you know, we can't tell exactly is the pelvis slightly rotated back. That could be part of the, the measurement. Sure. And, and as we know, like functionally, the body does makes all sorts of adjustments over time. So, you know, even if we do have some leg length discrepancy, I don't think that is always the, the biggest thing because they immediately wanted to start like building lifts into my shoes and doing all these different things. And you can't do an inch and a half lift inside a shoe. It's just <laughs> those shoes that, that work that way. So I've, I've been through so many different things, so many different, you know, foot doctors and, and trying, to, trying to get this solved. But and, and I do think I, I do have about a, a half inch lift in my shoe right now. Um, and it's probably actually less than that because they always compress down a little bit. But there's there's something for for me. I really need that pressure upward into my into my arch, and that sets my my heel into a better position. And I think that's the biggest piece because otherwise I get like a lot of tightness in my my IT band adductor on that side. That that side really functionally it takes a lot to just keep it mobile. That's that's really my my biggest job with my left side is just trying to keep mobility so that I don't because I started out with sciatic pain, a lot of lower back pain. Once you have, you know, sciatic pain and lower back pain, like it's going to work its way up. <laughs> You're going to have more problems. But, you know, I have figured out a lot of different things, you know, through the help of some brilliant PTs and, you know, some other, you know, I've worked with lots of different kinds of movement people. I know you're a Pilates teacher as well. I started doing Pilates in the 90s before <laughs> it was being taught very well. Just trying to get information. I just, you know, that's that's yeah. been a, a big part of it for me. And I try to deliver that, you know, back to people as well. In, anything that I feel like can be a resource to them, which is why I have you on. I feel like there's 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 a lot out there, and everybody has slightly different approaches. And I think sometimes you do have to try different things, and and even working with different therapists. Like I happened to to find a, a therapist that I when I was living in New York, who worked with dancers, and she picked up on the fact that I just have a, a, a ligament laxity issue, just like a lot of her dancers did, and and it's true now now that I know it, I, and I I can sort of see the way my body is, and and oddly enough, I didn't I never had joint issues when I played sports or. 
anything, but I think the instability that was going off my spine because of that was the biggest thing. And the way that I was training my body and, and loading my body and stuff was just causing more and more problems. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny how, you know, once someone points something out to us, we're just like, Oh yeah. It was very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the way it is for our patients too. Yeah. You know, they and, know something's wrong. And, and it's part of the reason why I, th I, I mean, I try to get my, my clients to think about kind of having a team around them. And even, even with my practice, I try to really have a team around me um, of people who I think can, can come at it with a different perspective. Like you and I probably have a, a lot of things, the, the way that we do, the, the way that we think about things that's very similar because we've studied, you know, fascial trains and done all this work. But at, at the same time, we still come at things with, with different yes. set of eyes. Yeah, exactly. I, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and, and yeah, it, it's funny. You're talking about things just like I do, but you're approaching it from a completely different way. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's really fun to hear that. Yeah. So, so what, t t tell us about your program then. What, 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 how, how did that, or how long has this been going on and how did you develop that? Did, did this come out of the books? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, like I said, I published those books about 10 or 12 years ago. And over the years, I've had lots of people request Skype sessions yeah, from me yeah. uh, to help them, you know, make, you know, fix their pain at home. And so over those years, I've, I've seen what I was missing from my books. And then when I had my own sports and orthopedic clinic and I saw just a massive volume of people and I started putting all this together as a patterns of dysfunction, uh, that's when I realized, oh, I can make this a lot simpler because in my back pain book, I've got maybe 80 different exercises in there. It's just like, because I was trying to solve every single know, possible know, thing, yeah. right? And I'm just like, gosh, it doesn't need to be that complicated. It's much yeah. simpler than this. So yeah. so these home programs, and not only that, but um, the, the books are kind of heavy on anatomy and so forth that's causing pain and then the exercises. Whereas my home programs, I show a little bit of that anatomy, but yeah. really I, I found that most people didn't even read my books. They would just jump directly to the exercises. Yeah. And then I would get these emails, hey, which exercises should I be doing? You know, and I'm just like, well, didn't you read the book? Well, do I have to? And I'm just like, yeah. you know, they're like this thin. Yeah. So yeah. It's not going to take you forever. So I realized that people don't, a lot of people don't want to or don't care to know all the ins and outs of things. Yeah. And that's why uh, I just created these videos that, oh, that's all you want to know? Okay, here are the exercises that will solve this pattern of problems. And then I also have uh, taping techniques in there, oh, cool. uh, as well as habit corrections and also the somatics. So uh, I, I find that taping has been very, I've developed my own taping approaches to solve certain biomechanical problems in the body. And I use these because our brain is incapable of creating that function because it hasn't had practice creating that function. Okay. So taping something temporarily bridges that gap. And it lets people see instantly, oh, wow, I feel a lot better with this tape on. Okay, that's what we're correcting. We're correcting the system of problems that's causing you to need this tape right here. And then once you fix that, we're going to wean you from this tape. I, I haven't studied taping. Can you, can you explain how, like how, it, how it helps the system? I mean, is there, is there like a proprioceptive sure. part of it? Is there actually some sort of support that it creates? Yes to it all. So uh, basically, so a lot of people, when I talk about taping, they're probably envisioning this, the kinesio tape. Right. That's the, all the rage 
for the last few years yeah. and that you see on Olympic players. That's not the kind of taping I do at oh, all. Oh, okay, okay. Because that taping is more about guiding a movement or maybe trying to activate something to happen or limit something right. subtly yes. from happening. But what I am taping are major movers and shakers in the body that are disrupting function. Hmm. So uh, a lot of it is like uh, I do a shoulder blade taping and I do foot taping, knee taping, and shoulder blade taping are the primary areas where I do the taping. Because uh, when was the last time you thought about where your shoulder blade was? Right. Right? No no one thinks. I, I think about it a lot, actually, but most people yeah. don't. <laughs> but, but hardly anyone even knows that it's back there. Right. Right? So how are they going to change something they've never even paid attention to? So that's why I've developed, and I felt, I saw the need for the shoulder blade taping. And then the foot taping, well, I'm sorry, we have up to five times our body weight passing through our foot. And the, the, the you know, I, I found that a, there's a, being taught, a lot of people are, who have a flat foot are taught to lift your arch by rolling the, the thighs out. Well, that's going to create all sorts of other problems. Right. So what we want to do is we just want to, create a change where you don't have to think about it because you've got enough problems going on in your body and chances are yeah. you thinking about trying to change something, it isn't going to be right and you're going to cause more problems than yeah. what you're solving. Yeah. So the tape helps us do that passively. So the brain may not be directly saying, oh, you know, I need to control that because it doesn't know how to control that. But if we fix the whole system that is controlling that and feeding that problem, then the brain knows how to fix that whole system. And the taping is really valuable for the patient because uh, the patient gets to see literally immediately how good they feel when their body is working the way it's supposed to work. And the tape helps them get there right now. Yeah. So I've noticed you, you, you refer to the brain a lot in terms of like it's, it's kind of oversight <laughs> yes. and and, well. and so i'm I'm curious to hear your perspective on this because i but it, it was my early curiosity in my work i just started feeling like i mean for one thing I, I i started kind of having this sense that by helping change the person's autonomic response to you know the, the way that they were re responding to different kinds of things even the way that we respond to pain but you know I, because in my practice i'm i'm working with people who might have also some hormonal stuff going on or mm -hmm. a lot of overhistamine response. I just find a lot of times by working by, for me, I, I start at that autonomic level and, and that, that, that's one of the measuring tools that I'm looking at when I start working with people. And sometimes it's, some of it's in my intake. Some of it comes through, through questions. You know, I'm trying to get a sense of how well they feel like they're, they're managing stress in their life. How do they feel about, you know, their work, their relationships, those kinds of things. I, I find there's a lot of information there about, okay, so this is this is also like a big part of the struggle that's happening at that nervous system level, and and one of the th things I think when people have gone through a, a period with chronic pain or any chronic health issue, they start to lose the faith that they can actually heal again, which is really what you're kind of talking about, right? That 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 brain's response to whatever this is going on needs to activate properly. Absolutely, I, I think of it like a yin yang symbol right the brain influences the body the body influences the brain okay yeah and so if you influence the body it will help your mind and if you influence yeah. the mind it will help your body so you know it's it's this constant feedback system right <laughs> right so yeah that's basically how i think about it yeah so, and and so <laughs> what in some cases and i have a couple of these cases in my book where 
I have a technique that uh, I, I've heard you talk about, you know, activating the parasympathetic nervous system, right? Yeah. To reduce the stress level and, and anxiety, you know, contracture and so forth in yeah. the body. And so I have a technique to do that. And uh, what that helps me see is if I do nothing else as a physical therapist, and usually when I do these treatments, I'm not trying to fix anything mechanically. I'll, I, the whole focus is to mm. lower their uh, S, sympathetic nervous system yeah. uh, elevation and increase their parasympathetic. So I'm going to do devote one session just to that, and then we get to see what their pain is for the next 24 hours. Yeah. Right? And so that tells me how much pain there is due to this right. nervous system right. issue. Yeah. And it tells, more importantly, it tells the patient. So I don't have to try and convince them of anything. They get it immediately. Yeah. And, and so that's an important tool. And and it's hard it's hard to gauge uh, you know for, for yourself sometimes. I mean, I get people coming in who say like, "Well, I don't feel stressed," and you can tell you can hear in their voice that there yes. <laughs> that there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot going on there, you know. Right. But 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 so so as is your with your with your program are are you kind of as, is it is it movement based? Is it is it stuff that basically kind of that that creates some kind of uh, response in the system? Because I you know I think I've talked about this a few times recently on the podcast about our tendency a lot of times to, you know, exercising, we've used exercise a lot of times in the, in the past as a stress management tool where, you know, running or playing a sport or some of those things, we just kind of feel better afterwards, right? Because we've kind of exerted ourselves. We've gotten all our systems kind of, you know, moving. But when we're in a, when we're in a recovery process, when our body is not, you know, functioning properly, continuing to do that is going to wear the system down. It takes a lot of energy to, you know, keep these tight patterns the way they are. And, and what, what people don't realize a lot of times is that by doing something that's a more gentle activity, like, a, you know, just, just as an example, like Tai Chi or swimming or something, that can actually, you know, be, be something that actually calms the system rather than, you know, adding load and dynamic and, and force to the system is just going to kind of push it further and further into that, you know, bad patterning, basically. So, so, so I guess my question is to you, you know, is, is, is your, is that part of your program then to kind of like build a bunch of these kinds of things in early on as part of like a recovery work? Is that the way you, you think about it? Yeah. So, uh, it's a good question and I'm still figuring that out in okay. terms of how to use it in my program. So for instance, uh, at the beginning, do you know what the pain disability index is? I, yeah, I, I, I don't use that, but I, I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay, so basically it's like, I think, seven questions, and you answer on a zero to 10 scale about how painful each activity is, okay. all right? So I have everyone fill that out at the beginning of their program because it gives us an objective number of where their pain is. And so what I'm just figuring out is, uh, it's so funny, uh, what I'm just figuring out is that a lot of people who uh, uh, join my program their belief says, I've got to get stronger to get through this pain. Right, yeah. So they're skipping the things that could actually solve the their foundation, pain. foundation, yeah. And going into that, immediately I have a strength and restoration phase, but that's the last thing yeah. that I have people do once they're pain-free. And, or they'll start, and so I have basically three phases. One is this bonus somatics, which calms down the nervous system and unlocks the body. The second is the pain reduction program. And the third is the strength and restoration. Okay. okay? Yeah. So I have almost everyone trying to start on the, on the pain reduction because pain reduction, that's why they're here. 
But you wouldn't believe how many people just go through the pain reduction once or twice and then go to the strength and restoration. When I say emphatically, you cannot begin your strength and restoration (laughs) until you're 75% better. And everyone just ignores it, right? So, But now what I'm learning is that uh, I'm not giving enough guidance as to when they should even start the pain reduction program. So what I mentioned, the the pain disability index is when they fill that out, if now I've said, if your score is 21 or greater, mm. you start with those bonus somatics lessons okay. to unlock your body. Once you do that for a week, then you can move on to the pain reduction program to start the exercises that will biomechanically correct your issues. Okay. And that's where also all the habit changes are, the taping techniques and everything else there. Then once you're 75% better, and you can continue doing the somatics if you want to. And then once you're 75% better, then you get to move to the strength and restoration phase. So we'll see if anyone listens to me on that one. And, and can, can people like pay to, to have, I mean, because I feel I, one of the things I feel like is important with this, like they need to do the work that you've outlined for them and they can continue to use your references, but they also kind of need someone for accountability and a check-in once in a while, right? <laughs> because, because for these problems, right? It's like sometimes people just get it in their heads that like, I need to, I, I, I don't really need this part. I'm not stressed. I need you to start right. to write. So, so then, then you have to have these, these hard <laughs> conversations once in a while. So is that built into the program in some way? Having yeah, someone so, to talk to? Uh, people can always have an individual session with me, but that, that gets to be kind of expensive. I right. mean, the whole reason they're going this route is to, cause they spent thousands of dollars already on things. Right. Yeah. So, but what I've also created is a coaching option that they can purchase so everyone gets a free coaching session and that's okay. a group coaching kind of thing yeah. with other people who have bought the program who have questions about how to use the program. Gotcha. And so we have that coaching session, but if they want more coaching sessions, they can buy like, you know, a couple more, they can buy eight more or whatever of these group calls to get more guidance as they're going along. Yeah. So people certainly have that, that option if they would, would so, like. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. And, and I, maybe, I, I thought I built it so that no one would need me ever again. <laughs> I'm realizing that's not likely. Well, so and, I've had to create these things. But but I think but but the next level of this then is is what you're creating with the continuing ed programs, uh, right? Because because I think that's what people are going to start needing more of. Is there there are a lot of practitioners out there like you know like us or like you know in in the place where you were where they're 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 not happy having to only get 20 minutes per you know per client or per patient and they want to start doing, you know, more one-on-one stuff on, on their own or whatever it is that they're going to want to start doing this stuff. And, you know, eventually you may be able to also support those people who are doing the continuing ed by saying, okay, you know, this, this would be a good person for you to work with. He does a lot of work with shoulders or whatever the case is, right. That Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, it's important to have, to have a, a human for accountability for these kinds of things. Even even if it's even if it costs money, I mean, I try to get people on the on the front end of my when I'm working with them, to really you know take take a month and you know I'd like to see people once a week for that for that first month. I eventually I I want them to be doing more of the things that they that they want to be doing and not coming to see me. That's that's always the goal, and that I can be here for tune ups or check ins or whatever needs to go on. But I feel like they you know on the front side of this, I would I, if I if I was going to send somebody to you for your program. I would say you should also plan to talk to him, you know, more than once probably to start out with, because there's going to be things that come up that are, you know, outside of your, of, of your knowledge base and you're going to need someone to really kind of coach you through this stuff. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm learning that 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 is the case. So, uh, and and you, so I have created an online training program for health and wellness practitioners, yeah. anyone from coaches to surgeons, which is what you're referencing. Yeah. And that offers CEU credits for physical therapists, 30 CEU credits for almost every state. Okay. Um, and I offer uh, also, uh, you know, there's a myriad of certifying agencies and licensing programs out there. So I can't possibly get certifications for every single one. Right. But I've created a, a block of information you can just hand to your whatever board and say, yeah. this is 30 CEUs in Colorado as a physical therapist here, you know, whatever I need. But my goal with creating that is, A, you know, I, I, I'm trying to spread the word about how this, how we can more simply and effectively and quickly solve pain in our patients. Yeah. And I believe that it's really, like my first graduate of my continuing education course was a personal trainer. That made me so happy yeah. because uh, I feel that people are going to personal trainers, plies instructors, yoga instructors, massage therapists, coaches, before they ever get to someone like me, right. you know? Yeah. And so you guys are the first line of attack. Yeah. And I thought, I, I, I feel that, gosh, if, if more people had this information, we could nip chronic pain in the bud, yeah. right? Yeah. But this, the, the second reason is that, yes, I want my people who are buying my home programs, I would love to say, hey, here's a guy in your area who's taken my course yeah. and knows everything that I'm teaching and go, go see them for that hands-on work that you might Yeah. Might, exactly. might need and direction. So I, I absolutely agree with you. It's good. We're humans. We need help yeah. sometimes, you know? And, and I, I do think that there's, there's a, there's a shift happening and, and some of it has to do with insurance as you, as you've mentioned earlier, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just become a, a very difficult, you know, process for this kind of work, especially, you know, where it does take on ongoing, you know, sometimes it's manual work, but a lot of times it's just like, you know, coaching people through the process of, of getting their body to, to feel, you know, right again and to ba get, get it balanced. And I think there are a lot of people out there who have, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I've had about 25,000 session hours, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of experience and, you know, I'm not a doctor. I, I stay in my lane and part, as I was saying earlier, I try to find, you know, really talented people or really smart people who are, have, have enough experience around me so that if it's a physical therapist specifically that they need, or if they really need to go see an orthopedist that I have those contacts or, you know, sometimes it's, this is the one thing I, I, I think about just going through your, your stuff is, and, and what you were kind of mentioning earlier that, you know, the 80 exercises is probably too many, but the 10, the 10 will actually solve a lot for a lot of people and that the body is really resilient and, and can bounce back, you know, from all sorts of things, but we need yes. to kind of know where to start. That's the, that is the, the, the trick. Correct. And, uh, you know, um, no one in my clinic if they had any kind of rib cage on down issue pain, no one got out of my clinic without learning how to walk correctly. Mm -hmm. Right. Because walking is one of those fundamental things that's contributing to all of these dysfunctions. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and, but that can be taught, you know, online or, or through videos and things like that. And fortunately, um, you know, my books are called the fixing you series and this is called the fixing you method. And, my belief, even before PT school, was I should be able to solve my pain, right? Yeah. 
because uh, this person didn't create my pain. I created my pain. Right. And so my whole purpose is to help guide people to fix themselves. It's not me fixing you. It's you fixing you. And so I believe that can happen in almost all cases. Yes, we need little nudges here and there. But um, and fortunately, I, I feel very fortunate that that was my driving belief going into this because yeah. it, it makes it easy to create home programs that can solve pain. Yeah. If I was a manual therapist like you, that would be difficult for me to create a home program that can reproduce right. what I'm and, and, what and you're part, doing. Of, part of the reason I, yeah. I, start, I started out as a manual therapist and decided I want to teach movement too because – for one, I was learning it for myself in terms of self-care and I started yeah. feeling like, okay, so I free up the structure. We've, we've, you know, we've, we've gotten things a lot more mobile, but we now this is, this is the opportunity we have to then retrain this body. And I yeah. was, I was like, well, if I'm already here and I don't know yeah. who to send them to right now, <laughs> I want to start, I want to start teaching them. So that's for me, it's always an empowering piece. Like I, I, there's, there's something, because early on when I started working, there was a lot of people who you can sort of tell, like they want a guru, they want someone to tell them what oh, yeah. their, all their problems are. And that was never my, my interest. My interest was like kind of what I was looking for for myself, which was I, I, I don't want to be thinking about the pain that I'm, you know, that, that, that this, I'm paying so much attention to the body because it's screaming at me. I want to I do all the things on a regular basis that actually take, take care of it. I call it prehab exercises, you know, like yeah. the things that I think would keep us out of having to go through rehab over and over again. Because as we know, like shoulder, you know, shoulder surgery and recovery is such a long process. Oh, gosh. When if you, you know, six months to a year, when if, whereas if, if you have, you know, the resource that you can keep going back to with a book or with a video or something, they, you know, you can, as soon as you start feeling that shoulder stuff pop up again, you can make sure you get back on your exercises. You should really be doing them all the time. <laughs> but I just went there with my mom last year where I started giving, giving her the exercises. And then a couple of weeks ago, she said, I'm starting to feel the shoulder stuff again. And I said, when was the last time you did your exercises? About a year ago. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. she kind of got through it with the exercises and then kind of stopped doing it. So Sometimes we do need those those reminders, and you know the fact that she already had all the resource, she knew what the exercises were. I made videos; it, it it makes it a lot easier down the road. But I think you have to first have the experience of like, yes, I I have a, I have a program. I can go through this, and by doing this, I actually feel better, and, and that kind of builds this confidence that you can do it again. Yes, exactly. And and uh, to to speak to your guru thing, you know, I this is the beauty of my approach is that it, it takes all of that weight off of me as being the guru right. to fix you, right? right? Because it's you fixing you, not right. me. Right. And that's, it's funny because every time in my clinic, someone would say, I feel so much better. What did you do? I said, I didn't do a thing. Yeah. You did it. Right. And I, cause I always love putting that power back into the it's, person. It's so great. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not doing anything. They're doing everything. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. Well, this is great, Rick. Thank, thank you so much for for sharing all this. I'm gonna so so for anybody who doesn't know what show notes are, you can on the app that you're listening to right now, you can just scroll down at the end, and I'm gonna have links to all all Rick's stuff on here, and um and and I have I have also have all your social media stuff, so should be able to oh. find some some more there. I'm, I'm sure you probably post some different kinds of things and 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 some other resource there, but yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Oh, I've absolutely enjoyed it, Jeremy. And also, I just wanted to uh, let your listeners know that whatever you purchase from me, if you type in fixing you, all one word, F-I-X-I-N-G-Y-O-U, in the coupon code, you'll get 20% off of whatever you oh, purchase. Cool. Yeah. 
So make sure they, they know that too. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, gosh, I, I listened to you, you were being interviewed by somebody and you put it on your own podcast. Oh yeah. I think recently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, uh, I was listening to you. I was just like, gosh, I've got to meet this guy. We've got to have a beer together or something. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, we, we, I just really enjoyed listening to you, what you, how you think about things. We're very similar. And yeah. like you said, we just do different things to get there, yeah. right? But we think about it the same. And I, I really feel that that's needed in our healthcare. Yeah. So thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, and, and, and thank you. And, and I think that's a, that's a good thing to, you know, for, for people who, you know, might be, I, I have a lot of people in healthcare professions listening, just to start thinking about like, you know, if, if, especially if you're not happy in the, in the place that you are, but you've developed all of this information and resource. I mean, you're inspiring me to start thinking about, I should really put this stuff, you know, down in some way, <laughs> more, more than just the podcast. Eventually I, I said, I sort of want to do something that's, that's a, a really simplified version of, of what I've learned over the years. That is just kind of that, that entry level stuff that I feel like is the foundation for a lot of things. And it's what I do every day. But I, I think there are so many practitioners out there that have these, that have these skills that sometimes aren't even getting put to use well in, in the healthcare system. You know, like their, 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 you know, their empathetic side is, is getting put to great use, but sometimes the, their knowledge base that they're just not getting enough time to actually put it in there. So I think maybe, maybe your work will also inspire some of that. Well, gosh, that would be nice. Cause I, I, my mission, I really love to solve chronic pain and, yeah. you know, get rid of this. I, I just think we, spend unnecessary dollars and time on this kind of stuff. And it doesn't yeah. have to be that way. Yeah. It's the number one reason for people going to the emergency room, by the way, if I don't know if you knew that, but back pain is the number one emergency room visit, which is, is amazing because there's not a lot that can be done in an emergency room. <laughs> yeah. For, for, yeah. You're absolutely right. That's like, <laughs> no, it's too late. <laughs> right. So, well, thanks so much, Rick. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Nice Jeremy. Thank you. You too. Rick Olderman, folks, hope this gave you some insight into why you may be continuing to experience pain and, and give you some hope that you can take control over this if this is something that you struggle with. You can find all of Rick's info that he has to share at rickolderman.com, and there'll be a link here in the show notes. And you can also find tons of resource uh, about Rick at highway2.health. Let me know what you thought of this topic in conversation. Reach out to me anytime at jeremy at highway2.health. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App, and that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown 
on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.